0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans of the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at LabBrooks.com 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
0: Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, TalkSport's football correspondent Alex Crook and Scott Minto. Suggs best mate from the 1997 FA Cup final recording of Blue Day. They ended up becoming best pals. He's just told us. I'm just blown away by that. Anyway, in real coming up news, another Premier League managerial casualty as Patrick Vieira is sacked by Palace. Reaction to the week's European and Premier League action Building up to a massive, massive weekend of football in both the Premier League and the FA Cup. And we'll get stuck into Gareth Southgate's first England squad since the World Cup. It's the Game Day Podcast from Talksport. We'll get to Patrick Vieira in just a second. He's been sacked by Crystal Palace after a year and a bit in charge. Um, we'll speak to Alex Crook and Scott Minto about that in just a second. But first of all, Europa League action last night. Uh, Crook, you were at the Emirates Stadium for the Arsenal game. Good game?
2: Hello, it's Chief Football Correspondent, by the way. You missed out a key word there.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 As he just tried to pull right, do I go around saying that I have to be called the Chief Football Commentator? Do I make people say that? I think you do, do actually, I?
2: yeah. Uh, but that's another story. Um,
0: so, it, it was... it, so, so, so now we can only call you Chief. Or, or when, actually, when you first sent us the change of your title, didn't you spell it wrong?
2: Uh, I, I didn't, but the boss did, yeah. So maybe that, uh, uh, maybe that says so a the lot. The chef,
0: <laughs> chef football correspondent, Alex Crook, is here. Uh, what, what, what was cooking at Arsenal last night?
2: Do you know what? It was a great game. Um, I mean, a brilliant goal. Uh, sporting scored felt a bit sorry for Aaron Ramsdale because obviously goalkeepers are encouraged to keep a high starting position Arsenal give the ball away in midfield and he just can't quite get back there but it was a a brilliant moment of ingenuity apart from half an hour in the second half I thought Arsenal were the better team on the night but they didn't take their opportunities sporting goalkeeper was inspired and it's a painful defeat in many ways because I'm not One of these who subscribes to the view that they can concentrate on the Premier League now because Arsenal haven't won a European trophy since 1994. And I know Mikel Arteta, you can see with his team selection with the subs, he really wanted to go through. But also it was painful because Tommy Asu hobbled off early on, William Saliba more worryingly also hobbled off and probably won't be fit for the weekend. And they had that extra half an hour before a big game against Palace on Sunday. So all in all, a pretty bad night for Arsenal.
0: A big game against Palace on Sunday, which we'll get to in just a second because it's maybe got a little bit bigger as well. Sporting are a good side, though, and um, they're a side that I've seen a couple of times already this season and last, and they always were going to test. Although I did think, you know, Arsenal should really be getting past this sort of round of the competition with the quality that they've got in their squad. Maybe depth is a bit of an issue, and that's not seemingly a problem for Manchester United, who, Scott, I I did the game against Betis on Thursday night for American and Australian television and I must say, strong team selection from Eric Ten Hag. They had a commanding lead. Rashford scored a terrific goal after missing from seven yards. He scored from about 27 yards. And they must be favourites for this competition. Although, look, there's some big names still in there. Um, the likes of Juventus, Feyenoord, um, Union Saint Gilos of Belgium, Sporting, we've already mentioned. Sevilla, always win it. Roma maybe a, a date with Jose Mourinho in the offing and Bayer Leverkusen. So uh, there's some big teams in the uh, final eight of the Europa League, but Manchester United are certainly one of the main contenders.
1: None bigger than Manchester United, Sam. Um, and I'd, I'd slightly disagree just on the Arsenal thing with what uh, Cricky was saying. I mean, I, I cover Portuguese football and the Wild Sporting Lisbon or Sporting Club, as they like to be known, are a very good side. They're fourth at the moment. They're 15 points off Benfica. And Mikel Arteta made five changes you know so i think he was trying to balance it i think it was basically saying premier league is number 1 he of course will be disappointed going out and now all the the eggs are in that premier league basket but for manchester united you know ten hag the difference there was he did pick a strong side and actually they were under pressure in the first half and could have conceded but they didn't they found a way to win the game and get through in the tie and yeah they're on they're on that winning roll at the moment especially in europe aren't they and that, I, you know, I'm not going to in any way criticise Arteta for the changes because I do think it's it's all about the Premier League and and not the Europa League. While of course you want to win a trophy, but Ten Hag realised that even though you're four-one up, we need to pick a strong side to make sure you don't get a
0: bad first half and and something bad could and you happen. Don't give them any encouragement. Absolutely, you can't do that. You can't invite people back into a game; otherwise, you'll have an issue. Casemiro was terrific. Um, I thought it was, uh, excellent defending from, uh, basically Maguire and Lindelof actually did very well later on in the game. Um, I thought Malassia played well. I thought mm-hmm. Dallow ended up coming on doing well in the second half. Wan-Bissaka looked good. He got forward again. They just got a lot of pieces now in that squad that can be utilized in different positions. I also like the fact that that, you know, there's no Garnacho is out for a little while now, but Manchester United got Sancho can play the middle or go out wide. They've got Rashford who can play through the middle or go out wide. They've got Horse who can play deep or straight up through the middle. They've got Bruno Fernandes who's happy to go out wide or play deeper in a midfield two or play in a number 10. There's a versatility about that group which means that there's always an option to change things up for Eric Ten Hag. It's never static. Which is going to be helpful as they go into the latter part of the season. They are, at this moment in time, on course for three trophies. We'll find out whether that continues after the weekend because we have a, a big quarterfinal game live on Talksport on Sunday in the FA Cup when they take on Fulham. We'll have more reaction to the midweek football action to come. But let's turn our attention uh, to this weekend's Premier League action, starting with the league leaders who take on managerless Crystal Palace. <laughs>
2: Time whistle has been blown and Palace's long, long wait for victory goes on.
0: The pressure is there for all the teams who are fighting to stay in the Premier League.
2: They still haven't picked up a win in 2023. It's
0: difficult for me to ask them to do more in our organisation and the commitment that they have. Following a poor run of results, Patrick Vieira has been sacked by Crystal Palace.
1: I think there's one way they were going. I think they were going to get relegated.
3: Sacking managers um, with 10 or 11 games to go might always
1: constitute a risk. of Some description.
0: It's been coming. The last six, seven weeks have been absolutely atrocious. The bottom line is they've made a decision because they're trying to arrest something that they believe is going to continue. Whether they're right or wrong, time will tell. All of Arsenal's basket now firmly in the Premier League and that Europa League defeat maybe could be a blessing in disguise. Cook's not 100% sure on that, but uh, they take on a Crystal Palace side who saw their manager Patrick Vieira sacked on St Patrick's Day? Oh dear, that's not very charitable, is it? Um, so, who comes in instead of him? What you're hearing, Chief Football Comment? Uh, what is that? Chief Chef Football
2: Comment? Chief, <laughs> what, what is it? What, 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 what's cr- around? Crystal here. Palace? Um, what the name that was mentioned to me when I. Reported that Patrick Vieira was under the cosh a week or so ago was Frank Lampard. Obviously, was interviewed, uh, I think, by Steve Parish when Vieira got the job. Um, whether that will happen, I think, is still open to interpretation. I find the timing very strange here. I'm not surprised that Patrick Vieira has gone. No, that you don't. On... You said last week that this was going to happen. Yeah, but I thought it would happen after the Arsenal game. Um, you know, I, I didn't think the performance against Brighton in midweek was bad enough that... Palace would feel the need to pull the trigger. They had some big chances in the first 15 minutes, didn't take them, which has been the story of their season. Vieira said as much afterwards. But but, 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 Crook, if you're you're going
0: to pull the trigger, you're going to do it when you've got a chance of taking advantage of another situation. There's no point in keeping Patrick Vieira in situ for the game on Sunday if you're going to lose. If you're going to lose anyway, you might as well change it and hope that there is the semblance of a manager bout. You may well end up getting one point out of the game or, you know, there's every chance that things could turn. Why wait? What's the point? they are in a relegation battle, whether you know anyone thinks it or not. Before the chief continues, I, I just wanted to say, on, and,
1: you, and you make a you make a good point, Sam. But that's only if someone else is going to come in, yeah. Why? Or he's com- or he's completely lost the dressing room. It's one of those two. And I I didn't see. I hate that phrase anyway because players should be playing for themselves and and the, and the fans first. But uh, unless something is different, or unless he's completely lost the plot, which I don't see. Then you, then I do think it's a little bit strange with the timing. You know, what, why, why get rid of him? Yes, OK, you're on the, the winless run, but bring a Frank Lampard in now then. You know, later on today, let's hear that a new appointment
0: has been made. Otherwise, what's the difference? Maybe they will. I mean, as far as I understood it this morning when the news broke, they hadn't spoken to Frank and his team.
2: Well, it's, it's asking a lot, isn't it, to get someone in place now. It's Friday before the game on Sunday. It could happen. Obviously, they've got the extra day tomorrow. And, and what's interesting is that the entire backroom staff, barring the goalkeeping coach, Dean Kylie, have gone as well. Uh, I would imagine... It sounds
0: they... like everybody's got a plan, doesn't it? If yeah. all of the backroom staff have gone, it sounds like someone's got a plan here.
2: Yeah, yeah I wonder if Paddy McCarthy might step up for this game from, uh, from the academy. Sean Derry, um, who was obviously... Dismissed by Patrick Vieira. Maybe he could come back in in some capacity. I, I think it's a fluid situation at this stage. If you look at the the bookmakers' odds, Roy Hodgson is the favourite and obviously, you know, <laughs> has a great relationship with Palace, but surely that can't happen. Jesse Marsh is, is another with Premier League experience who is unavailable, who is available. Uh, Lucien Favre they interviewed before, but he turned them down. They were keen on Nuno Espirito Santo at, at one stage, but his demands in terms of the backroom team proved prohibitive. So I think Steve Parrish will have a plan. There's a lot of people who feel a lot of sympathy for Patrick Vieira. I get that. Mm-hmm. But having watched the game in midweek, they started well, missed those chances. Once they went 1-0 down, they wilted. And obviously, as you know, Sam and Scott, the, the, the press box is right behind the dugouts at the Amex. And it just seemed to pass Vieira by. I didn't see that he was making any meaningful contribution for the sidelines to try and change the course of events. And I do think, from what I'm told, the players at Palace have been surprised just how passive he is as a manager when you look at the formidable player and the combative midfielder that he was.
0: I must admit, when I first met him uh, in a sort of social setting, I was surprised just how mild-mannered he was. Um, But I don't think that should hide the steel. He's a very sort of strategic, thoughtful guy. And he has a lot of good ideas. Do you think that he's been treated a little bit harshly, bearing in mind this is Crystal Palace, not Tottenham Hotspur? And it's not as if Doogie Freeman, the sporting director, has been pulling up any trees in the transfer market. I just looked at the summer signings. Uh, 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 in January, they bought in Ahamada. Chris Richards came in from Bayern Munich in the summer for 10 million quid. I haven't seen him play yet. I don't know if anybody else has. Uh, Dukure... Maybe it's made more of an impact than anybody else. Barmer, Johnston, and Killian Phillips, just younger players. And then if you look back to the season before, when he had to turn over that squad that had so many players out of contract, they brought in Elise, Gerhi, Anderson, uh, Hughes, Edward, and Mateta. So it's, and bearing in mind that the players out that year were Van Arnholt, uh, Hennessy, Townsend, uh, Cahill, Dan, uh, Wickham, Henderson, quite a few more experienced players come to the end of their contract. This was a squad that needed turning over. They got a few names in the first summer. They hardly got anyone in last summer. Has the sporting director sort of got to come under scrutiny as well?
1: I, I said a couple of weeks ago actually that um, I mean I was surprised when, when Crookie said and, and let's be fair, the chief was right about you know Patrick Vieira being under
0: pressure and chief. you know think pain- this is going to catch on by the way. There's no <laughs> way. How, how on earth have you been chief football correspondent for about three weeks and they're calling yourself the chief? Jesus, I've been there for 12, 13 years at this is unbelievable.
1: <laughs> he's on his way up. We're looking forward to the next name once the next promotion comes along as well. Although never have a go at the uh, the spelling mistakes of the boss when. Um,
0: yeah, if you want was, to carry yeah, he's on going to with... be demoted by the end of this podcast. We're having to go at the <laughs> boss's spelling.
2: Hopefully, yeah. look.
0: I, I I did the uh, the cup semi
1: final against Chelsea at Wembley last year. I was really impressed with how Patrick Vieira changed the system. Um, you know, did certain things, tweaked things, made substitutions. And I was thinking that, OK, it was going to kick on. But I, I do think, and I said a couple of weeks ago, that it's worrying that he wants he wanted experienced players in, in the January window when he got youngsters. And, you know, you just mentioned the Corey. He's the only one really from the summer that has anywhere, any sort of minutes in terms of first team. So what I said a few weeks ago, the worrying thing for me is it looks like the recruitment with the manager are not together. And when that's the case, the manager, generally speaking, is... it. He's not happy with the players that he's got and it's all about results and results when they go badly, you know, they're 12th at the moment. Depends how you want to look at it. They're three points above the relegation zone, but they're 12th. You know, it, it, for me, clearly it's not been going well behind the scenes for some time.
0: Yeah. Three points separate Crystal Palace in 12th and Bournemouth in 18th position. It is as tight as Superman's underpants downstairs. Uh, It's absolutely (laughs) unbelievable. Um, and that means that uh, this is a huge game for Crystal Palace because uh, going to Arsenal without a manager gives them a sort of maybe gives them a sort of freedom. We've seen new manager bounces or no manager bounces. Maybe that's probably more accurate. Do you remember when Aston Villa sacked their manager and the geezer from uh, the second reserve team's under 14s took charge <laughs> for about. Uh, 10 minutes, um, and they got a little bounce. Remember that geezer that uh, worked in the uh in the under 19s at Leeds who took over from Jesse Marsh and took them to Old Trafford and and they won. Um, well, they got they got a point at Old Trafford going mm-hmm. 2 0 up. up. The fact is, anybody, anybody sometimes that comes in after someone who hasn't particularly um made great connections or has lost some of those connections sometimes can just give a freedom to a team, which means that they play slightly above their ability. That could happen. But Arsenal, uh, in a situation where they need to continue their momentum as well, they're five points clear at the top of the table. And actually, actually, there is a a real possibility here that by the end of the weekend, they could be eight points clear at the top of the table going into the international break. That would send a message.
2: It would. um, And I, I guess we'll see... Which theory of mine and Scott's is is right? Because, you know, there's a danger. There could be a hangover having gone the distance with Sporting Lisbon, suffered that crushing disappointment of a penalty shootout blow, maybe losing one or two uh, key players to injury as well. Or there's Scott's theory that actually they're not that fussed about the Europa League and they'll just continue um, to roll on in terms of the Premier League title. So I I actually think this game now, as you say, against a, a managerless opponent and Palace have got some decent players, we know that, they don't get hammered very often. They, they, they stay in most games. This is going to be a test of character now for Arsenal after midweek.
0: Let's get stuck into the rest of the Premier League action this weekend, starting with Friday night under the lights at the City Ground.
2: There's never been a
1: faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. for
2: Gibbs-White! And Gibbs-White has lashed it into the net!
0: The noise is deafening at the city ground. Most importantly, they haven't lost here since September. It's some record.
2: Forrest have the lead, they might double it! Johnson! Yes!
0: It's two! Losgill-Forrest look likely to score every time they go forward at the moment. We're really trying to build a way and a culture and a team that can, you know, really perform week in, week out in, in the Premier League.
2: Sam Maximan tries to drive it across. Wilson! 2-0! Newcastle have doubled their lead! Callum Wilson at the double!
3: We want to go into that break, really, with a, with a high and with positive momentum. If we can get a result in this game, I think we would be in a really good place. And a football match that could be pivotal
0: for both these two teams going towards the end of the season. Uh, Forest hard team to predict, five games without a win, but also five home games without a defeat. They don't lose at home. They never win away. They're useless away. Uh, Morgan Gibbs-White, a name many thought might be in with a chance of the England squad, Um, but Gareth Southgate doesn't take risks like that unless someone is performing way above their station. Look how long it took for James Madison to get into the squad. But Nottingham Forest, have they got enough to cause Newcastle some problems here, Scott? Only because they're at home,
1: Sam, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, the the difference between the home and the away, you know, 20 points at home, six away, is, is absolutely massive. And the fact that only Bournemouth have conceded more goals in the Premier League tells you that, you know, defensively they're not great. I think they rely on uh, Gibbs White and also Brennan Johnson, who I think won't be fit for for this particular game. And I think that's a massive blow for them. Look, they, I think all of their six wins... Um, have been by one goal. Um, five of those have been one nil, or they've kept clean sheets in those six wins. So they need to keep a clean sheet, but they're up against a side that you know are dropping a little bit. Have had a, a fantastic two thirds of the season so far, and perhaps just are li- going a, a little bit the other way. So I think it's a it's a massive opportunity for both these sides, to be honest with you. But the fact that Newcastle. Struggle
0: to score themselves. I can see this
1: one being in an ending in a a, a, quite a low scoring draw.
0: Yeah, this could be nil nil, couldn't it? Because Brennan Johnson, a doubt, Morgan Gibbs White, still very creative, but not great if you've not got anybody up front to put the ball in the back of the net, which has been their problem all season. And Chris Wood, who's on loan from Newcastle at Forest, is ineligible. As a result of that, Newcastle have had their goal scoring problems as well. Wilson's been left out of the England squad, which I'm not too surprised about. Hasn't been performing well. We mentioned this. I've been banging on about this on the podcast about, you know, the statistics and how they point to Isaac uh, playing up front instead of him. He
2: played last week, scored, looked great.
0: It could be the difference in this game, Crook.
2: Yeah, I fancy Newcastle um, as a result of Issac and the way that he uh, moulded himself back into the team at the weekend, scored an excellent goal. And if Brennan Johnson isn't available, that's an awful lot of pressure on the shoulders of, of Morgan Gibbs-White to provide that creative spark. I'm a big fan of Gibbs-White. I think he should have been uh, in the England squad, potentially, not the only one. I think Solly March and James Ward-Prowse on my patch in the South Coast can both feel a bit hard <laughs> done by. Maybe Lewis Dunk as well, but we'll we'll move on from that because Gareth has his favourites. We all know that. Um, The worry for Forrest, and Scott's alluded to it, they're so poor away from home that if their home form deserts them, if they lose this game, then they are going to be pulled right back into relegation danger. So this is a big game for Forrest.
0: Yeah, I don't think that you lose your home form just by losing one game, but I understand what you mean. Eddie Howe has been speaking about Isaac between now and the end of the season. He says he's going to kick on. Yeah, really good. I mean, that's
3: how he's trained. As I said before, he got the concussion. He was in really, really good form in training and I was desperate to see him execute that on the pitch Uh, i felt he did that against wolves i thought he was outstanding in every respect physically he was very very good Um, technically very good and his goal i'm you know i'm still enjoy watching that even even now a week after so uh, hopefully that's the start of a really good run for him i think he's a different player yeah to, to to anyone that we have in the squad i think he's got really good versatility to his game. I think he can do a bit of everything, which is a, a great asset for us to have in our front line. So, yeah, I, I think he brings a different dimension, but I'd say every player has their own strengths and um, uniqueness that makes the team slightly different.
0: He's a good player. Um, Real Sociedad, I don't think, wanted to to lose him, but they couldn't resist the, the money that Newcastle were putting on the table for him. It's taken a little while for him to show his best and he had a few issues with injury as well. I think he's going to be a cracking player over the course of the next uh, season or so. Um, Joe Willock, another one of those who um, Eddie Howe thought could maybe break into the England squad. You know, again, it's all right sitting around and saying that uh, the uh, chief England selector has got his favourites. But ultimately, that's what you do when you build a team, isn't it? You have to have loyalty to some of the players that uh, have
2: served you well. Calvin Phillips is the one. You know, how can he justify selection?
1: no i I'd, I'd I'd go along with that one uh, but the principle of what you're saying sam is 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 spot on um you know we, we've just this is the first squad don't forget since the world cup and what first of all this screams out to me is there's not a lot wrong there's not a lot to tweak there's just maybe a, a few little things here and there um, look I would have put ivan tony in the in in the english squad anyway calvin Phillips hasn't justified uh being in the squad, but we know what he's done, but I don't think this it is important enough to say that we need Calvin Phillips in there. So I'd go on the Ward-Prowse. I mean, you know, Crookie's a chief correspondent at TalkSport. Ward-Prowse is playing
0: as the captain in a team that are bottom of the table.
2: He's their best player. And he's had a bad season because you haven't
0: stopped talking about him having a bad season. He had a bad season 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 pre the
2: World Cup. That World Cup, and I've spoken to him about this, that World Cup snub really spurred him on. His form since then, since the resumption, has been really good. They're still bottom of the table though, right? Yeah. No, no, they are. And, and do you know what? Do you know what? If Southampton do go
1: down, and we've all predicted that they, they will, or certainly I have, maybe that move will come. Maybe he'll get a, a move to sort of a, a top half, top eight European chasing uh, team, and, and then he'll get in the England squad. I, I'm not saying that's right, but I I think at times in games, he's carried the players. I agree. Um, certainly post-World Cup anyway. So I, I do think he should have been in the squad for Calvin Phillips. I'm not sure about all the ones that Quickie's mentioned, but uh, he can count himself as harsh. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't put Joe Willock in there. just Eric check. Dyer's in there, isn't
2: he? Is Eric Dyer in there? Eric Dyer yeah. is in there, yeah. So how's Eric he Dyer is. getting ahead of a Lewis Dunk, who's captaining a Brighton side, that think they can qualify for the Champions League?
0: Well, Tottenham yeah. are in the top four and Brighton are seventh. Tottenham I are mean, rubbish. So, i you mean know it's, that. It's, it, okay. So, so Tottenham are rubbish, but they're higher than Brighton. And if, you're, if your measure is they're <laughs> higher than Brighton, um, Brighton are high flying, then but they're not high, more high-flying than Tottenham. So, Do you think Dyer's has had a better personal. season than Lewis Dunk? I actually think wow. Dyer had uh, a really good start to the season. He looked leaner and sharper. I don't think he's been particularly good uh, in the mid-part of the season, even in the run-up to the World Cup. I don't particularly like him as a centre-half. think he's slow and a bit cumbersome. But um, in comparison to Lewis Dunk, I would say it was probably a 50-50 coin flip. And actually, because they've worked with Dyer, he's probably picked him as a result of that. But that
1: bit, Sam, for me, and 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 Crookie's second question was better than just saying Spurs are rubbish. But <laughs> I think that is almost the uh, the the, the pertinent thing. You're right about Eric Dyer starting the season really well. I just think there's there's you don't want to be taking lots of players out and putting them in. But there's one here in each department. Perhaps you could just say, let's have a look at this. player. Indeed. but they've taken you know, let's
0: Trent Alexander out, right? Okay, so that's a big well, thing. That was him. always going to happen. Yeah, exactly. We, so We'd you don't want to disrupt back. the whole dynamic of the squad for two games. Because you may well need those players, those experienced players, when it comes to the summer. So the other thing is they have included Ivan Tone and we'll get to him in just a second, which is a a big surprise for me. But only because of the the situation surrounding the betting. He obviously is another new player that's coming to the squad, didn't really work out from the last time he was in the squad, didn't get a minute on on the field of play. This time, maybe he'll get uh, more. In fact, he's got a, a big game prior to that against Leicester City, and it's one of five games uh, that we've got on Saturday.
3: Game
0: and Tony moved on to 16 Premier League goals uh, for the season with his goal against Southampton in midweek, and he's been rewarded with that England recall. Um, but should he have been called up, bearing in mind the fact that he's pleaded guilty to some of those betting charges and is still fighting others,
2: crew? No. And I'm surprised that he has been, to be honest, because I'm still convinced that the reason he didn't go to the World Cup was partly to do with those allegations. And as you say, he's now admitted them. I was talking about this actually in the press room at Brighton in midweek. Ivan Tony scored one goal, made another against Southampton. That Good doesn't flick on that
0: for the say, second goal.
2: Say again? Good
0: flick on for yeah, the second absolutely. goal. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But that doesn't sit right for me, you know, because that's a, a big defeat for Southampton. That could play a big part in them being relegated. And that's inflicted by a player who has admitted breaching betting regulations. What would definitely not sit right with me now, because it's gone so far, is if he was suddenly to be banned for the rest of the season. That, for me, puts the whole integrity of the league into disrepute. Because how can he be allowed to play having admitted charges against one relegation-threatened team and then be suspended potentially against other relegation-threatened teams? I actually think if the FA do that now, between now and the end of the season, then they could be leaving themselves open to all kinds of legal challenges. So I kind of feel like they almost have to wait now until the summer and then any punishment comes in for the start of the new season. But I don't think he should be in the England squad.
0: Why is it
2: bringing the game into
0: disrepute or the league into disrepute, bearing in mind, when, we, when when's the cutoff point for a, a punishment? As soon as he's admitted it. But what, he's fighting other charges, isn't he? So the, the investigation
2: is not complete. Yeah, but as you say, he's admitted that he's breach regulations um I mean the whole thing's taking far too long for me when did we first find out about these charges just before the World Cup we're in it's the middle of March now what's taking so long
0: um Scott obviously there is a um, a situation bubbling along in the background is it incumbent on the FA to take stronger action or at least decisive action earlier on in these cases? What you mean with Ivan Tony in, in particular? Well, I just mean in general, you know, why does it take so long to make a decision on these situations or when there is a controversial moment where someone is being investigated for whatever, should there be a time limit on how long you can look at that case or does justice have no time limit? Because there might be mitigating circumstances here that we don't know anything about. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that sort of
1: takes longer than an FA inquiry is trying to get you and Crookie out on a on a on a social. Not you know, me. That's about the long. Okay,
0: we've got. It doesn't okay. take. It doesn't take ten minutes to get him out on a social. He never <laughs> <is>. <laughs> To be fair,
1: yeah, I'll take Crookie out. It's more you. Um,
0: look, the, Hold the on, bottom line is, i was out with is, you yeah, on Saturday night until two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I well, heard about but, this. Well, that was because we, that was was because my we worked
1: until. Well, we, we worked until midnight. That that was why. And then and actually the first hour of that was in the talk sports studios um having a couple of glasses of wine together, wasn't
0: yeah. it? Yeah, which Matterface brought along to, to get the party you lubricated. Did.
2: You well, did. Are we so, licensed I, for alcohol on the premises? I hope you've not done an Ivan Tony there and breached any regulations.
0: Well I didn't buy it. <laughs> from talk sports they weren't selling it to me so i doubt they have a license or have any requirement for one but thank you very much for trying to stir up the pot (laughs) to be fair
2: alan brazil works there so i'm sure there is some kind of alcohol license
0: (laughs) there must be some some
2: leeway yeah somewhere on tap but but back to the
0: serious the serious business um that brentford are hunting down a european spot they could have an incredible season but if they do get into that top seven will it be tainted if then tony is banned in the summer
1: no, it, it, it won't be tainted, but I do agree with the chef that actually, you know, this should have been done a lot earlier. I mean, and why do FA inquiries just take so long? I mean, that that's something that obviously needs to be looked at, but that's been going on for years, for decades. The bottom line is, do do you, you for me, you've got one of two options. Do you say we wait till the whole process finishes? which is probably what will happen, and then we do the ban or, or whatever it is. Or do, do you
0: that, say... What otherwise, is in- you're saying as soon as someone is charged with something, they have to miss games. As soon as, as they've, they've
2: admitted it. I think trade. there's a difference between being charged once and it. Once
0: they've admitted it.
2: it, yeah, once they've admitted
1: it and the FA knows that a ban will be coming, the question will just be a length of the ban. But I agree, even just you coming back there, Sam, know, that's a bit... I don't want to use the word sort of murkier, but it makes things a lot awkward, which is why I go back to to the chef and basically say, I don't think it will be tainted um, because you have to wait until the process is finished.
2: Yeah, The, you uh, you know, the, the
1: process. process itself needs to be sorted out and done a lot quicker. But until the process is completely finished, Ivan Tony should be allowed to play.
0: Leicester in serious trouble. Um, they are level on points with Bournemouth in 18, two points above Southampton, who are the bottom side. What's the biggest issue? For them at the moment, Crook?
2: Too reliant on James Madison. Concede too many goals. Don't score enough. Um, Ask yeah. for
0: the biggest issue, not all of the issues. Well, but, yeah, you know, but it's all it's all it a, a, a vicious list.
2: cocktail, isn't it? That have put them, you know, bang under the microscope. I, I still think they've got think too much the quality issue. to go down. But I was just thinking then, actually, now Vieira's gone, I think it's only really Forest, Leicester and West Ham, are those teams fighting against relegation, who've stuck by their manager. So it's going to be interesting at the end of the season to see if those three teams all stay up and those clubs that have chopped and changed, you know, in Southampton's case, three times, if they pay the price (laughs) for that.
0: I think the biggest problem for Leicester at this moment in time is that they don't think that they're in a relegation battle. Mm. And that could be their undoing, Scott, because, you know, the fact that James Madison came out the other week and said, that'd be ridiculous, we're not in a relegation battle, we're playing well enough, seems to suggest that maybe they've forgotten the fact that the actual league table suggests that they very much are. They are very much
1: in a relegation
0: battle. I think what
1: James Madison was trying to do, although he did it, in my opinion, not in the correct way, was basically send a message to say, look, we don't want the fans turning up thinking, you know, things are going to go wrong straight away. And it makes it harder in the first 10 minutes if you make some misplaced passes. I've been there, I know what it's like. So I understand what he was trying to do, but I think he did it in the wrong way. And I think he was ultimately wrong with Rob Tanner and and, and saying that, you know, implying that, Look at the game. Well, he did look at the game and he, he, he looked at more than just that particular game. Look, I, I agree with Crookie. You know, this is not just one thing, this is a number of things, and it's gone since the start of the season. And just when you think they're going to pull away, they don't. Madison's not always fit. Tete, after you know, a great debut, has, has not quite been the same. You've got Christensen who's injured. You know, Ward is not Smichael. Uh, Harvey Barnes, why is he not playing? Uh, he doesn't seem to fancy him. I think there's a number of issues here which you're absolutely right if they're not careful. And I'm sure what's being said publicly, Sam, is not what's being said behind closed doors. But if they're not careful, they will be sleepwalking towards relegation. I ultimately don't think they will be, but they're literally out of the uh, the drop zone on goal difference. So you can't say they're not in a fight.
0: Yeah, five defeats in a row in the Premier League. Palace away and Bournemouth at home coming up in the next three games after the international break. There could be huge matches for them. I wonder with with uh, Brendan Rogers whether he'll still be the manager at the start of next season. Um, it, I mean, the, one of the reasons that he hasn't been replaced, the West Ham boss hasn't been replaced, and the Nottingham Forest boss actually was given a vote of confidence is here's a question for you. you know, when you look, glance around, and Crystal Palace has sort of almost answered this now, yeah. who is there to come in and save the season? There's none of these Red Adair figures that they used to be. So it's a very... You know, we had it with, with, with Jesse Marsh got fine and got replaced by the geezer that was sacked by Watford two years ago and has been working, you know, on the moon for two years. Do you know, it's 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 crazy, isn't it? There's just, it just seems to be a dearth of top-level managers. Maybe because all the Premier League clubs turned them over so much that <laughs> they've all seemingly had a go once. Um, let's move on to Wolves against Leeds. Live on TalkSport at 2 at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Leeds lucky to get a draw last week against Brighton. But other results saw them drop into the bottom three, They're second from bottom. Um, they are probably uh, struggling a little bit. Tyler Adams picking up a hamstring injury. Javi Grazia saying uh, that uh, some, of the, uh, two, uh, some of the players to replace him are going to be the two youngsters, Archie Gray and Darko uh, Um I'm not necessarily sure that that's a, a comforting thought for Leeds United fans do you think, Jeff?
2: I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, first and foremost. Um, I don't think uh, Ian Dance is going to need his calculator. Uh, Wolves have improved under Lopetegui, but still don't score too many goals. Leeds are quite profligate as well with the chances that come their way. I I still think Leeds are one of my three to go down, you know, and this changes by the week. Um, But I'm just not seeing any great signs, really, that Javi Grazia has improved them too much. So I think Wolves will probably win this 1-0. I mean...
0: Your bottom three has changed as often as your selections for the uh, 3.30 at Cheltenham. Um, but ultimately, there is a problem here that it's very difficult to predict because there's so many teams that are in it. Um, you say Javi Grazia hasn't improved them, but he's only been there 10 minutes, Scott.
2: Yeah, but you, you yeah. need that new manager bounce. You know, the, the, the games are running out. The teams that are in relegation trouble, what, they've got 11, 12 games to, to save 12 themselves? 12 games
0: left. 12 games left. that's a lot of points that are available, 36 points available.
2: No, no they are, but, you know, look, for, for all these
1: teams and, and the reason why, I, I as I said, and I, do you know what, Bournemouth was superb, we'll, we'll come on to them uh, last week, but I'll still go with Bournemouth and Southampton because I don't like flip-flopping like Crookie does on a weekly basis, but that third spot, you know, for weeks and months, is it, you just don't know. It goes up to 12th and the, and the team in 12th has just sucked their manager, you know, I look at Leeds and I think the performances are not that bad. And yet you can, again, I use the phrase, go sleepwalking towards relegation. You think there's enough points and then you you don't pick up any points in one game. Oh, there's enough points in the next and it doesn't happen. Look, they've got Arsenal on the 1st of April and then they've got Forest and Palace, both games at home. I think they're absolutely key. So we'll have to see whether the Ellen Road faithful can actually do something, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, helping them because, boy, do they need help right now. And Javi Gracia, look, I saw them against Fulham in the Cup and they were unlucky to lose that game. They were the better side. But it's about scoring goals. And, you know, look, they scored two last week. And if you do, you you can't be
0: conceding two. It's as simple as that. Uh Julian Lopetegui is probably deemed to have done a good job since arriving at the club. They're now on 27 points, but I don't think they're particularly brilliant. 20 goals in 27 games. I mean, that is... Really poor, isn't it? It's under a goal a game. And, you know, I know Nottingham Forest and Everton are on a similar sort of run. But when you've got the t- teams like Leicester City who scored 37, like almost double the amount of goals that Wolves have got, and they're on a similar number of points, I mean, you sort of lean towards Leicester because you think they'll have enough firepower to get themselves out of it. But we shall see. Uh, that game is live on Talksport 2 at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Chelsea Everton, the latest chapter in the Graham Potter redemption story, a home tie against one of the worst teams in the league. And anybody who's telling me that Sean Dyche has completely revolutionized Everton. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to bat it back because although they've turned up for a couple of big games at home and they've won them with some lucky worldy goals, they had their moments the other week against Bournemouth. I mean, how on earth they managed to win that game. I don't know. They weren't particularly good against Leeds United either, um, but they can't keep winning games like that, can they?
2: No, and I don't think they'll win this one. Um, I think a a corner has been partially turned by Chelsea. Really impressive uh, against Borussia Dortmund. They put Leicester to the sword with ease last weekend. I think Graham Potter slowly is working out what his best team is. The fans seem to be a little bit more on board with him than they were a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I, I don't see Everton causing Chelsea too many problems here.
0: Um, there's no chance of a Champions League place for Chelsea. They're 11 points behind with 12 they games might win it. to go. Ah, huh? they might win it. Well, they might win it. Yeah, that's what they do, don't they? If you go back in the history of of Chelsea, they um, they change their manager in the mid season. Um, they go on a ridiculous um, run in the Champions League and end up lifting the trophy. That's what happened. You know, Di matteo um Thomas Tuchel coming in, and now Graham Potter maybe be the beneficiary of that scenario once again, but they're too far off the the, the Champions League places to get there via the league. They may get into the Europa League or the Conference League with a a little sneaky run towards the end of the season, but I'm not necessarily sure that's what the owners want from the club. What about Villa against Bournemouth? Because I was at Bournemouth with uh, Scott last weekend. Um, Obviously, uh, Bournemouth is is, is Crookie's big call to stay up. But they need to back up their Liverpool win with the result away to home, away from home at Aston Villa, don't they?
1: We were there together, and the first ten fifteen minutes, it was all Liverpool, and it was almost just trying to hang on in there. They needed to keep the ball. Once they kept the ball and passed the ball, and then used Liverpool's high line, <clears throat> um, you know, they fully deserved that win. And to be fair to Crookie, it's about time he gets one of his wild predictions right, isn't it? You know, so <laughs> we've well, got it right. We're...
0: Yeah, they're still in the bottom three.
1: Well, absolutely. We'll wait to see if he does get that one right. But it, it was, you know, quite one out there because, you know, he was in the minority of one pretty much saying that, or one of the first ones to say it. But what I would say is play like that on a regular basis and you are staying up. And to be fair, again, and Kriki's been saying, actually performances, and he's right, haven't haven't been bad. They have been pretty good. And again, you talk about the pressure of the other clubs, you know, all the leads, a uh, uh, West Ham, a uh, Leicester, a... Uh, and Everton much more pressure than there are on, on Bournemouth. And as much as Gary O'Neill will probably be feeling the pressure himself personally, because he's still trying to prove himself uh, as a manager. I I think he's shown already um, just how good a football brain he's got. And I, I I like him. I like what he's done. And I stick by what I said, if he keeps them up, he should be nominated for manager of the season nominated.
0: Okay. Um, In terms of, um, Bournemouth and the way they're going out about their business, I think we were pretty impressed by the way that they approached the game when they were under the cosh right at the very end. They kept the ball well. They tried to play their way out of trouble, drag the ball away from their own goal. Aston Villa, I just don't really see enough of an improvement. They were pretty mid-table when Gerrard took over. They were pretty mid-table when Unai Emery walked in the door. And they are pretty mid-table now, aren't they? I mean, and they ain't really going anywhere because they're not going to finish above Chelsea. They're not going to finish above Fulham, Brentford or Brighton. So they're going to finish in 11th in that little zone all on their own.
2: Are you rewriting history a little bit there? Because I seem to recall when Stephen Gerrard went that they were in no form at all and there was genuine concern that they could be relegation candidates this season.
0: No, no they were never relegation candidates. Were they? I, I
2: disagree with that. They weren't. I- I think they were a poor side under Stephen Gerrard. I think they are marginally better now still a poor, under still a poor side They won now. two of They're twelve games when Gerrard. How many went. have they won now? Yeah, but sorry, two of twelve—that's relegation for Right. Okay, they'd lost six in eleven when Gerrard went.
0: Okay, and they've won. And how many have they lost since then? They've lost another five since then.
2: I, I, I think Unai Emery has stabilised them and he's kept them in the Premier League, which was his objective. I think they, I think they'd have been. Bang in trouble if Gerard had the
0: I think Aston Villa fans were expecting a little bit more when Unai Emery turned up.
1: Do, do you know what I think? I, I I think they were sliding towards being one of those who could, you know would have been 10 teams now, wouldn't it? Um, if you'd sort of kept Stephen Gerrard. Uh, but I do think stabilise is the words. And I think he's, I think Emery's so experienced now, and obviously even with his experience in the Premier League, but just generally as a manager, I think he's reading the situation of who he wants and who he doesn't want. I think the Villa board will back him, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of changes in the summer, and then we can start judging Emery. At the moment, I do but think but it but is difficult isn't to that do that
0: exactly what we were saying last year about Stephen Gerrard. Yes. If you yes. remember, I never rightly, I never felt Gerrard got was good that enough. situation. Exactly, this is exactly the same as the situation that Gerrard was in last year. He took over, he stabilized the team, they got themselves into a position where they were in mid-table. They spent the rest of the season because they couldn't get into Europe and they couldn't go down, analysing the squad and deciding who they want and who they didn't. Then after three months of the next season, having had the transfer window, they then decided that they didn't want Steven Gerrard. They brought somebody else in. Now he's in exactly the same zone. So if we get to the start of next season and he makes a bad start, are they going to do the same again? Well, the the thing is, is you,
1: you know we you're right to make correlation because you are right in terms of the past, but we don't know about the future. And what we do know about Emery that we didn't know about Stephen Gerrard. Look, he, he, you know what he did at Rangers was incredible, and the pressure of being at a big club is up there with being any club a- around Europe, but it's not the Premier League. And he he needs, to, and so therefore he hasn't had the fallback experience that Emery has. So look, if if he goes shocking and they're towards. 16th, 17th by Christmas, there's every chance he could lose his job, because he shouldn't be. But I don't think they will be,
0: because he is an experienced manager, and he is a very good one. Uh, Two sides that think they should be in the FA Cup this weekend, but aren't because of shock results are Southampton and Spurs. Uh, Southampton lost to Brentford in midweek. Their manager, Ruben Seles, says he's not worried about the table. He says he's looking at performances only. That'll be good. Um, Tottenham Hotspur's manager Antonio Conte is still coming out with ridiculous statements and calling on the club's fans to be more realistic with their expectations okay Antonio yes I'm sure that's going to happen away from the Premier League this weekend it's FA Cup quarterfinal weekend and all four games are live on TalkSport including a return to the Etihad for Vincent (laughs) Company.
2: Vincent Company and it's Manchester City Back in control of the title race again! I don't know if I'm a special player, but I do know I have that appetite that keeps growing.
3: His destiny to become a manager Man my city is already written in the stars.
2: Vincent Company has been appointed as the new Burnley manager. Vincent Company's Burnley are so good. Venture inside the box, goes for the shot, scores the goal. You've got all the ingredients that, you know, top teams have.
3: Yeah, you, you might manage City in the future, but who knows what City looks like in the future. I think the
2: last time I was there, I put, put a ball top corner, and, and that's the last time I was there in an official capacity. Company has just provided the best goal of his career. This club has been so important for me, but of course I'm there to compete. Fall in towards the far post and placed in by Bowdoin. If you're up for one game, how difficult it is for everyone.
0: Yeah, Man City against Burnley live at 5.45 on Saturday. I'll be there for that one. A return for Vincent company to Manchester City. Siding nine points from nine games to ensure promotion back to the Premier League, giving... Uh, given the fact that this is the situation that his team are in, will he pick a stronger side as possible, Scott, to take on Manchester City? Is it about reputation for him and pride?
1: Do, do you know They're up, Sam. You know, they're up. I'm sorry. OK, mathematically they're not, but they're up. Why would you not pick your best side? Why? I mean, if you don't pick your best side against even a Manchester City second or third string, you could get done. But why would you not pick your third best side, whoever you're playing? You're in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. You're just about to go over the line in the championship and win automatic promotion. You're up against your old side. You're a hero. There'll be a statue built of you at some point. Absolutely, 100%, he will pick his best side. And he will go for it. In And when I say go for it, go for it in the best way that he believes that they will win the game. I mean, it, 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 you know, Burnley are like the Manchester City of, of the Championship, really. Same patterns of play, same movements, the, you know, the full backs invert at times as well. So it's going to be absolutely fascinating see, to see. The only thing I would say quite clearly is, ultimately, it's down to the quality of the players on the pitch. And if you're going to play exactly the same way, then you would expect City to win. But will he play his best 11? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, uh, he's excited to return to the Etihad. But he did underscore when we spoke to him earlier in this week that he is there to compete.
2: There's always a first. I think the last time I was there I put put a ball top corner and and that's the last time I was there in an official capacity and um, going back for sure brings... this club has been so important for me but um, of course I'm there to compete and um, I I, want to just put that forward and enjoy that part of it. It's the best club for me, especially the the home record of of City in the last... It's ridiculous. So I think the guys, the team, have earned the right to to look forward to this game, And but we're not. We're not naive. We know it's a, it's a tough challenge.
0: One of the things that's really impressed me about Burnley is Nathan Teller and the yeah. amount of goals that he has scored, bearing in mind uh, it wasn't too long ago when he was describing himself as not a goal scorer. I think, what has he got now? He's got 18, 19 goals this season. That's particularly impressive and necessary for a Burnley team. I and mean, when you score, when you've got someone who can put the ball in the back of the net in the Championship, you usually head towards the top of that division. And he's certainly delivered.
2: Yeah, and it makes Southampton look a bit foolish, really, because I actually felt when he was playing under Ralph Hasen, who at Saints, he looked a decent player. They loaned him out. Uh, I think they do have a recall option, did have in January. Decided not to activate that, even though... They were struggling for goals themselves. And I think with every goal that he scores for Burnley, Southampton fans are, are more perplexed. So, yeah, I think he's certainly a danger man for the visitors. I think Vincent Company will name a strong team. I guess it depends which Manchester City turn up. You know, we've seen them toil to a few wins this season and they were absolutely brilliant in midweek. Haaland, unstoppable and clearly fuming to be taken off before he got his sixth goal. So, I think this is a really fascinating cup tie live on TalkSport.
0: Will we see Calvin Phillips? That's the big question. Well, we,
1: should, his we should do, shouldn't we? We've not seen much of him in a city shirt so far this season. Drew's
0: so annoyed about the fact that Calvin Phillips has got in. It's just, it's, it's ruined his day. The chef is absolutely furious about that. His um, it, it, mate ward isn't in. Is that what it is? His yeah, South Coast mate. And also he's still reeling from the fact that Aaron Ramsdale was daydreaming when that ball went sailing over his head. <laughs> um, another one of his buddies. Alvarez may play instead of Haaland this uh, weekend. Uh, despite the fact that Haaland hit five in midweek. I mean, some of the goals were brilliant, weren't they? And the the joy in his face was terrific to see. I mean, you're still not having him, Crook, are you? (laughs) Of course (laughs) I'm having him. He's
2: he's, he's a freak of nature when it comes to scoring goals. I thought you said he made City worse. (laughs) Well, he has at times. Uh, uh, He has at times because they've had to change their playing style. But it's just the lack of technique. You know? I mean, if he didn't score goals, <laughs> he looks a bit of a donkey, but he scores so many goals, it's ridiculous. Did I just hear that? Stop
0: it. Stop it, chef.
2: Did I just hear the chef say
1: he could be a donkey if it wasn't for his he goals? He did
0: say that, yeah, he did say that.
1: He's not, <laughs> oh, not exactly pleasing
2: in the eye, 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 is he?
0: Oh, oh he speaks highly
2: of you. I'm not deriding that he's probably the you know the best golf scorer in the generation. He's a bit
0: of a donkey. (laughs) Oh, dear. That'll never come back to haunt you. (laughs) Um, He could have got a double hat-trick in midweek and Pep took him off because he felt sorry for Leipzig. He was like, no, this is embarrassing. You've got to get off, mate. Come on, it's not fair. Uh, Be interesting to see this game, though, won't it? Because Manchester City and Burnley... Obviously, Burnley, I mean, well, we got it completely wrong with Burnley, both Crook and I thought that they would be end up being relegated twice. Uh, mm-hmm. They are under a transfer embargo, though, because of the financial issues that we were pointing to at the time. We did say we there did. is a problem um, behind the scenes in terms of money, and that's why we were concerned. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe that uh, is going to be resolved once they get to the Premier League and they get that injection of 110 110- Million quid just for being there. Uh, Manchester United against Fulham is live on TalkSport at 4.30. I'm going to this one as well. Strong team selection from Ten Hag. He does not rotate. And he took a lot of these big hitters off during the second half, knowing that he's got this game on Sunday. I think because he's going to go for it, Krook. Because ultimately, why rest anybody now? It's ahead of an international break. You're not going to use them. So, you know, you've got to think about yourself first, haven't you?
2: Yeah, and I love that about Ten Hag. You know, he picks his strongest team week in, week out because he's a winner. You know, he wants to improve his win percentage. He wants to win every competition United are in. You know, I think you have to make the favourites now for the Europa League. They've already beaten the best team in that competition, in my view, in Barcelona. I make the favourites to beat Fulham this weekend. Fulham's form seems to have tailed off at just the wrong moment. They're going to finish in the top four. I'm pretty confident on that. And I think it will be a magnificent season overall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I- In terms of the takeover, I heard that Jim Radcliffe and his representatives went to the club on Thursday to have a presentation. Friday. Uh, And uh, the same for the Qatari group as well. Um, In terms of takeover, is that likely full takeover still? Are we still anticipating the minority share being bought by someone?
2: I think I'm a little bit more confident now. Um, that the Glazers are willing to engage in a full sale. Obviously, they're expecting revised bids. They're going to come in the next week, 10 days, from both Qatar and I think from Jim Ratcliffe as well. Obviously, there's a, a discrepancy in the asking price and, and what people are willing to pay. I'm not sure they're but going they to get... they might
0: benefit from changing the rules that um, UEFA have mm. over the governance of two different clubs because Nice are owned by Jim Ratcliffe, PSG owned by another group of Qataris. So in order to get rid of those murky waters, it looks as if the, the the president of UEFA, Alexander Seferin, is going to change the rules, he says, very quickly about ownership.
2: Well, clearly some pressure is being applied there. Um, we can only guess from where, but the Glazers still want six billion. I don't see, even with that change in regulations, that Either the Qataris or Ratcliffe will pay it. But by all accounts, the talks on Thursday, which went on for more than 10 hours, were very positive. I think the Qataris came away believing that actually these people are serious about selling. And it will be the same, no doubt, for Sir Jim Ratcliffe on Friday. We're recording this podcast just as he's pictured arriving at Old Trafford. So I think he's moving along, which is encouraging from a Manchester United fan's perspective.
0: Uh, Brighton against Grimsby, Sunday 2.15. Roberto De Zerbi serving a touchline ban after being yellow-carded against Palace in midweek. Um, th- I mean, this should be another victory for Brighton, shouldn't it, uh, On Scott? Bearing in mind that uh, Grimsby, for all of their heroics, have got a, a next to no chance of overturning an informed Premier League team like Brighton, even if they bring an army of Harry the Haddock inflatable <laughs> dolls that they can bash around the Amex all day.
1: It, it, exactly. It's, it's a game I'm doing for talk sports, So I'm really looking forward to it. And my old Maka uh, Rotherham teammate, Paul Hurst is the Grimsby manager. So already had a chat with him. I think he's done superbly well. Well, first of all, to get them into League Two, because that was just a mental playoff uh, route that he went through uh, last season. But look, they are mid-table. They've gone to Southampton. I think you did that game quickly, didn't you? And um, yeah. And found a way to win. Uh, yeah, but this is another level from Southampton. This is a Brighton side who, I tell you what, as the games are going down, you talk about relegation, but as the games are ticking off, they're staying there or thereabouts for a top four spot. It, it's incredible. And do you know what I think Deserby has done that he's done really well? Because it's not easy to take over a, a club, actually, that is doing really well. And that's what happened. You Normally you take over a club that has a lot broken and it will take time and people understand if it does take time. But he's gone to another another level in terms of his mentality. He's quite happy to talk about and for his players to talk about. We want to go for top four. You know they, they've got the likes of McAllister signed uh, on, on a contract that was before the World Cup. Caicedo, what happened? They've dealt with everything really well. He signed a new contract. This is a club that's really going places. So as much as I would and I like the club, but obviously I'd love to see a, a cup upset. I do not see it happening at all because Brighton is so strong at the moment, and what a
0: season it could be for them. Sheffield United against Blackburn. Uh, so, one EFL side absolutely guaranteed to be in the semi finals, two sides vying for promotion out of the championship. Um, this FA Cup quarterfinal lineup reminds me very much of 2008's hmm. FA Cup quarterfinal lineup, uh, where Manchester United played against Portsmouth. Portsmouth went up there and won. And then there was um, Barnsley beating Chelsea in the same set of quarterfinals, and it meant that we ended up with a semi-final lineup, which was West Brom against Cardiff, and um, what was the other one? No, it was, it was Portsmouth, Portsmouth, West
2: Portsmouth West Brom. Portsmouth West Brom. I can't sorry, remember in who Cardiff, Cardiff beating the semi-final, but
0: Cardiff beat someone. Yeah,
2: was it Barnsley? I think Barnsley?
0: Well, Barnsley. Barnsley. They Cardiff beat Barnsley. It was a really rubbish semi-final lineup. And Portsmouth <laughs> ended up winning the trophy, which we were delighted about. Uh, because we were living down there at the time, and we went absolutely crazy. I wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't mean, that delighted.
2: United would have won the treble if Michael Carrick didn't miss from three inches.
0: Well, you were delighted on the day because you went into a free box and you got absolutely <laughs> battered with me the whole yeah, day. You that's true. Yeah. Yeah. of the game, he remembers it. We didn't remember what was going on. <laughs> yeah. um, so you had a great time. So don't pretend that you didn't. Um, but I think it's, there is a sort of bit of that about it. If someone can be, if Fulham could beat Manchester United on Sunday, or maybe Burnley could beat. Manchester City on Saturday. Neither of those two things look likely at this stage of the competition. But we could end up with a situation where Fulham or Brighton end up being favourites for the FA Cup. And Scott, you know what it can do to a club if you get over the line and win a trophy like the FA Cup. Um, It can spark a a whole new era.
1: Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, coming off the back of what you're just saying of, of, of Brighton, you know, this is a club from... In terms of recruitment, because the crew, recruitment people have gone. Um, the manager's gone. The players have gone. And yet, this could be a very special season for them. And in terms of Manchester United going through, look, they've got a chance of the treble. But if I were Brighton, there's only one team, really, I'd be concerned about, and that'd be Manchester City. Look, if Burnley went to City and won, and we saw you know a, a very unlikely semi-final, isn't that the beauty of the FA Cup? Yeah... No, nah. we don't get it every season. No, nah. I think Sam Bosses me.
2: at ITV would uh disagree with you if both Manchester clubs are not in the semi finals. No,
0: nah.
1: right. So the chief
2: chief commentator of ITV is now saying that he's
1: not having that. So um, no, I'm not
0: having that. I think you've got to have the big clubs towards the latter end of the, uh, the competition with all due it respect to Grimsby, to Blackburn, uh, to Burnley and to Fulham, it would be much better if it was Manchester United, Sheffield United in one semi-final, Brighton, Man City in the other, and it was a Manchester derby in the final. Hey, I'm not saying that I want that to happen, I'm just saying it would be better for the television viewing figures if it was, and radio listening figures as well. This Grimsby weekend, will lose 5-0, by the way,
2: on Sunday. Huh? Grimsby will lose
0: 5-0. Thanks for that.
2: Just chucking out
0: there. <laughs> what a great tip that is. That's brilliant. That's like turning around and saying... you think that Manchester United 4-1 up against Real Betis might go through to the (laughs) quarterfinals cheers (laughs) stick your neck out why don't you Um, Friday night we got Nottingham Forest against uh, Newcastle live on TalkSport game day live with Adrian Durham turns up at one o'clock on Saturday as we go round the grounds in the EFL he's at St Mary's for that three o'clock live commentary on TalkSport two Wolves against Leeds 545 I'll be at the Etihad Stadium for Manchester City against Burnley with England uh, former England winger Trevor Sinclair Sunday, we've got three games back-to-back. Sheffield United-Blackburn, Brighton-Grimsby and Manchester United against Fulham before the international break. Uh, Scott, thank you very much. Have a good a week. We'll see you again soon. Cheers, guys. Pleasure. Jeff, thank you very much. We appreciate that. You can go down the pub now and uh, start playing with your mates. Uh, ever since we've been on this phone call, by the way, doing the uh, podcast, Crook has been desperate to get off. So if he's had a little <laughs> bit of an attitude about him today, that's because he's got his <laughs> mind elsewhere. He's only thinking about the GGs. Uh, as opposed to cooking up uh, some sort of storm or cooking up a story, which is why he's the chef. Um, Thank you very much.
1: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on talk sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.